Welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Father, I, I thank you for this opportunity to gather together as your church, and I thank you for the, the unity and the spirit that we have here, Lord. I thank you for the, the sacrifices that, that people make to be able to be here. I thank you for the words of, that David had this morning, and Lord, as we're in a just historic time, we pray, Lord, that we, you would make us just the right people for a time such as this. And we pray, Lord, that we would see this as a, an opportunity to live in this time. And Lord, we pray that we would not be those that would spend the whole time complaining and being put out and angry, Lord, but that we would use this historic, special time that you placed us in to give the gospel and speak life. And Lord, we need that prayer answered this morning. We pray that you would send us out here with redeemed mouths, with redeemed hearts, with mouths that speak of the glory and the beauty of your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Hey guys, we're super thankful you're all here. We're in a relationship series, as you guys know, called Reunited. And this morning, we're going to look at a powerful way that God has to reunite our relationships when we talk about our relationship being reunited, and that is through the gift of speech. And our ability to speak, guys, is a very strange thing. I mean, even as I do it right now, you realize, like, we, we send air out of our lungs through our trachea at a very, you know, particular speed. It comes up through your vocal cords, which are, you know, two straps that vibrate about 100 times per second. You've got muscles that'll like tighten or loosen those to make the pitch higher or lower. And and that would just be a buzzing sound, except your teeth and your tongue and your mouth form words. And you form these words almost instantaneously from your thoughts. This is a crazy thing when you think about it, this ability to do it. I mean, lots of animals have ways of communication, even plants communicate, but only humans talk. And we talk a lot. And it's an amazing process that we have. You guys are a bunch of crazy talking animals. You're talking animals. Like, what explains this? And you know what explains this? You were made by a talking God. In the beginning of the Bible, the first words that are spoken are God talking, as he's speaking the universe into existence. But that wasn't the first communication, was it? Because God is triune. He's three persons in one. And so there was communication throughout all eternity between the persons of the Trinity. And so whether that's talking or not, it's communication, it's love and enjoyment of one another in relationship. And that talking God has given you an amazing ability to image him by talking as well. And it's a total gift, guys. We only realize it's a gift when we lose it. I've had a few times in the past few years where I've gotten the flu really bad, and I get a really bad laryngitis. And uh, I'm a horse veterinarian, and I'll have to call people on the phone. And so then I'm like the creepy, creepy, whispering horse vet, you know? Hello. I had one person on call. It was at night, and uh, it was another client of somebody else in our group. And I called, and I was like, hello, this is Dr. Cobb. And she was like, I think my horse will be fine. (laughs) She did not want me to come out after that conversation. But this is a gift, guys, this ability to speak, this ability to communicate. And even if you've lost the ability to speak, your ability to do language, whether it's typing it or signing it or whatever, is an amazing gift. 
God is talking to us, guys, all the time. He's talking to us through creation. He's talking to us constantly through his word. He, it, when he talks through his word, he talks through historians and letter writers and, and poets and prophets, right? And he, he spoke through singers and sages. He's always talking. The question is, guys, this morning is, are we listening? This morning, we're going to look at this powerful gift of speech that we've given. It's a godlike ability that God's given us to speak, and it has godlike powers. Take a look at Proverbs 18.21. And by the way, don't worry about kids in here, because this is a family service, and this is like we're all in a living room together, okay? So don't worry about it all. Uh, take a look at Proverbs 18.21. It says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let me give you a little time to, to move there. Proverbs 18, 21. I want this to really settle into you. Listen to these words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I think all of us need to really sit with that verse for a while. That our ability to speak has the power of life and death in it, and we will eat its fruit. What comes from our mouths, especially as we talk about relationships, your relationships are built up or destroyed every single day by what comes out of your mouth. You will eat its fruit. So it's super important that we look at this gift. And you think life and death, it's kind of an exaggeration. It's not an exaggeration. We all know of stories of children who have been verbally bullied to death, right? We all know stories of, you know, old men that are crippled by something their parents said when they were a kid or crippled by something their parent didn't say when they were a kid. The, the I love yous and the I'm proud of yous that never happened, Right? You know that old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words can never hurt me? This verse says exactly the opposite. Words kill, or words give life. And we all know that words give life. You know, one of my cousins, she endured a losing battle with cancer in her 30s. And she was kept joyful the whole time by the encouragement of her friends. Words give life, right? I know of a woman who was turned back from the cliff of divorce by the rebuke of one of her adult daughters. Totally changed her around. I know of a man and many men and women who have been totally lost and heard the gospel and their whole families got saved. And so there's power of death and life in the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. We have this incredible power, this incredible ability to build or destroy our relationships. And guys, our speech originally was only able to speak life. You think about Genesis 1 and 2, our speech, our ability to speak was only an instrument of life. But what happened? Well, Um, Only God was speaking to Adam and Eve in those first few chapters. But in chapter 3, another voice comes in. Another speaking creature like us. It was the serpent. It was Satan. And he came in and he spoke words that were crafty and carefully chosen. And they were deadly. And so Satan, like like a surgeon putting a stint into a coronary artery, he came to those people. He inserted this lie into their hearts. And the patients really didn't even feel a thing until it was too late, right? And they believe the lie, and they turn their backs on God. And now we've all fallen suit, and now we often are more naturally speak like the serpent than we do our creator. That's called the fall. That's, that's where our speech is now. And I want to look through uh, Proverbs. If you just stay in Proverbs, I want to flip around through some passages, and we're going to look at what does the serpent's speech sound like when it's coming out of our mouths. We need to learn to identify when we're speaking like the serpent. And the Proverbs is a great place to look at um, issues of speech. It's the second most common topic in the Proverbs, second only to wisdom. How many of you guys are like super convicted when you read Proverbs about your speech? 
That's what always gets me, right? I am a very talkative person. I'm an introvert, but I'm a noisy introvert. And so the most likely place I'm going to get in trouble is here, is the things that I'm saying. So let's look at some of the ways that the serpent speaks through our mouths. First, angry words. Angry words can destroy our relationships. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise person holds it back. Um, Angry speech can threaten. It can threaten harm. It can threaten divorce. It can threaten kids with excessive punishment. Angry speech can belittle people. If you look at Proverbs eleven twelve, it says, Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense. Belittling speech is intended to wound the person, intended to tear them down and make them feel worthless. I know it's convicting, but a lot of parents, we can do that. You know, we can tear them down. We can belittle our kids. Spouses can belittle their spouses. Proverbs eleven nine says, that with his mouth, the godless man destroys his neighbor. Isn't that powerful? He destroys his neighbor. Another form of angry speech, though, guys, for those of you who are quiet, is the silent treatment. The silent treatment is actually another form of angry speech, and it's just as destructive. For those of you who have been on the receiving end of the silent treatment, you know that that kind of destructive speech also is super painful and it, and it destroys relationships. So um, serpent speech is angry speech. Also, serpent speech is gossip. Um, if, if angry words are stabbing somebody in the front, <laughs> gossip's stabbing them in the back, right? And gossip is it's repeating things that ought not to be repeated about another person, even if they're true. Sometimes people go, oh, it's not gossip because it's true. Slander is speech that's not true about somebody. Gossip can be true or not. It's something we ought not to repeat. It's something that makes that person look lower in the eyes of the person receiving it. They're both sin. The Proverbs say that because we're sinners, gossip is tasty. Proverbs twenty six twenty two says this. The words of a whisper, which is a great word for gossip, right? A whisper. The words of the whisper are like delicious morsels going down into the inward parts. You know, if you're prone to enjoy gossip, you know what that's like. It's, mmm, that's a tender little morsel. You know, it's, it's the things of like, oh, have you heard what she's up to now? Or it's like, oh, did I tell you what he said the other day? Or, oh, you'll never guess what, right? Tender morsels. The person that de- desires them eats them. A couple of years ago, I was having dinner with a couple it was in our church, not in our church now, so don't worry, somebody here. I was having a, din- a dinner with them, and one of the things that was really interesting as I was talking is one of the persons in the couple was totally fishing for gossip. So to her, having dinner with the pastor is an opportunity to fish for gossip. And I remember thinking as I'm looking at them, you two are the most dangerous people in our church. I'm just like listening to this constant fishing for gossip, and I'm like, you are the most dangerous person in our church. Proverbs 17.9 says, Whoever covers up an offense seeks love, but whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. Gossip destroys relationships, guys. A safe rule of thumb would be to not speak of the sins of another person unless they're present. That's a very extreme rule, but I think there's very few exceptions to that. Maybe parents once in a while need to speak of the sins of their kids without them present, but I think a safe rule of thumb would be to never speak of the sins of another person unless they're present. There are very few exceptions. Titus 3, 2 says, speak evil of no one. That seems pretty, pretty broad, right? And you've got to realize, too, that gossip takes two people, right? You've heard this before, but gossip takes a receptor. You know, if you're like, hey, you know, oh, I can't, can't stand hanging out with that person. It's always just a bunch of gossip. It's like, well, you collected it, right? And so... 
If someone says to you something like, you know, I'm not sure if I should tell you this, but you say, okay, good, then don't. Right? I've done that a bunch of times. People are like shocked. They're like, oh, that was the appetizer. I don't think I should tell you this, but this is supposed to get your appetite going. Nope. Nope. Don't tell me then. When somebody starts to share a sin of another person, your first question, according to Matthew 18, should be, have you talked to them directly about this? Oh, I have. Okay, well, let's go together now then, because that's the next step. But I'm not going to receive your gossip, right? Another form of serpent speech is lying. Proverbs 12:22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Lying is super destructive to relationships. Any of you guys who have tried to be in a relationship with somebody that's habitually dishonest knows that it's like basically impossible to have a deep relationship with somebody that's habitually dishonest. There's just nothing to build it on. You know, there's, there's no way to move forward. Um, promise breaking is a form of lying. A lot of times we'll make promises because we feel that pressure in the moment to please the person or whatever, and so we make a promise we can't keep. Proverbs say in Proverbs twenty five fourteen it says, Like clouds and wind with no rain is a man who boasts of a gift but doesn't give it. We relate to that here, right? You know, I could update this. I could be like, like the Apple weather app promises rain, right? How many times have you looked at it and you're like, yes, it's going to be rain, and there's not, right? It's saying that's what it's like to be around a person that doesn't keep their promises. Serpent speech also sounds like careless words. Um, careless words can destroy relationships. Because our words are super powerful. When our kids were younger and, uh, you know, there's certain words that are not like fully cuss words, but they're stronger words, right? And what we told them was, you know, we might use them, but we would tell them, like, words are tools. Some of them are sharper than others. You can't use this word yet because you don't know how to use it right, right? All our words are like that, right? Proverbs 12, uh, 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. It's like, whoa, be careful you're pointing that thing, right? Your words are like sword thrusts. Do you realize the responsibility you have with them? Guys, some of us would benefit, if you read Proverbs, some of us would benefit a lot from talking a lot less. I would benefit a lot from talking a lot less. At least until I learn to handle words more safely, right? Proverbs ten nineteen says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking. Might be something to think about with social media and stuff like that, is that many people have an amplifier put on their ordinary speech to where what they think, what they say goes out to hundreds or thousands might be worth thinking about this verse a little bit. It says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. Words aren't safe. You know, words are something we need to be very careful with. I love what John Calvin said about excessive speech. He said, I consider looseness with words no less a defect than looseness of bowels. Okay, and Calvin had a lot of health problems. He knew exactly what looseness of bowels was like. But he said, I consider looseness with words no less a defect than looseness with bowels. I don't know why I repeated the quote. You need to remember that one. Some of us need to listen a lot more. Proverbs eighteen thirteen says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. You know, you've often heard we have one mouth and two ears for a reason. You know, if we restrained our words more, what would we find? What, what gift would God have for us if we were to restrain our words more? We might find that there's people that God put in our life that have a lot of wisdom that we've missed out on because we've always been the one talking. We might find out that we've been trying to cover up certain things in our life through our words. 
For some of us, our words are kind of the PR department, so we're constantly trying to like work on our public image through our words. And if we stop, maybe we just have to deal with what's there. And so we've got this, this amazing power, this godlike ability to speak. And it has godlike powers of life and death. But the scary thing is, guys, and I think as you read through the Proverbs, you know this, we can't control it. So you have this incredibly powerful thing, power of life and death, and no controls. <laughs> this is a crazy thing, right? The writer of James, who's kind of the New Testament equivalent of the book of Proverbs, James says this in James 3, 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great power. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among its members, staining the whole body, set on fire the whole course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature has been tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse people made in his image. From the same mouth come forth blessing and curse. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth both fresh and salt water? Does a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salty pond yield fresh water. I think we can all relate to that, right? Especially as you read through the Proverbs, you go like, that's me. I can't control my speech. We have this godlike ability with godlike powers, and we're not controlling it well, right? And so our kids and our friends and our spouse and our coworkers, they never know what's going to come out of here. Could be life, could be death. It's like, you know, it's like a gun loaded for Russian roulette, and you pull the trigger, and you don't know you're going to destroy a relationship or you're going to build one. We will eat its fruit. That's what's so haunting about that Proverbs 18. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And I think maybe you've never thought about that before, that the relationships you have and the situation you're in with your family and stuff could largely be the fruit of your mouth. You're eating its fruit. The good news is, is that it can be turned around. You say, well, how can it be turned around? He said, no man can tame it. It sounds pretty hopeless. I love what the African bishop St. Augustine said in the fourth century. He commented on this verse and he said, indeed, no mere human can tame the tongue, but God can. God can tame your tongue. Isn't that good news? Such good news this morning, right? And God can tame the tongue. We know he can because he started with his own tongue. So God got a tongue. God the Son became a man, got a tongue, got a mouth, got a heart, and he knew how to tame it, right? And when Jesus came into the world, he was so obviously the talking God of Genesis 2. Seemed like he talked a lot, right? He had all kinds of teaching, all kinds of encouragement, all kinds of parables. I mean, the wisdom that poured forth from his mouth was amazing. This is clearly the talking God of Genesis 2. And he could have used his mouth for destruction or life, right? Can you guys think of the one time Jesus did use his words to destroy something? Fig tree, right? So he cursed the fig tree. He was able to speak, and that fig tree was dead. What does that show us? It shows us Jesus had full-on power of life and death in his mouth. He chose to always use it for life. With all the people he interacted with, he chose to speak life into them. And so God, who spoke the world into existence, and then God comes in, and he's speaking life into the fallen world. And Jesus spoke life all the time. He spoke life even when he had hard words for, like, the religious leaders. That was speaking life, right? When he taught about the kingdom of God, that was speaking life. Jesus spoke life to people when he stretched out his hand to the leper and he said, be cleansed. Jesus spoke life when he said to the paralytic, pick up your mat and walk. Amazing words, right? Jesus spoke life when he said to the demon-possessed man, come out of him. 
Jesus spoke life when he said to the child who had died, child, arise, and she did. Jesus spoke life. Jesus spoke life when all who believed him, he said to them, your sins have been forgiven you. It's amazing words of Jesus, right? Jesus died with words of life. You remember the Romans who had nailed him to the cross. He dies saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Like all the way to his death, guys. The most tempting time possible to speak anything other than life. He spoke life. And so Jesus obviously knew how to tame his own tongue. He spoke life all the way to his death. And here's the good news, guys. If this morning you will trust in Jesus, your whole record of sin with your mouth can be wiped away and replaced with Jesus' perfect verbal righteousness. And I just think, even if you're really prone to say, "Ah, I'm not that bad of a person, this has to get you, right? I just think in the area of speaking, you just have to know you're a sinner in need of God's grace. How many of you guys have realized that you butt-dialed somebody and left a long voicemail? How many of you felt totally comfortable with that? Right? What is that? That's just a little window into the fact that we know our speech is not righteous. Like, who knows what I said? Right? Who knows what I did? Right? We have an insecurity about that. You know, I'm going to make that insecurity bigger because Jesus said that every single word you've ever uttered, that there's a day of reckoning. Listen to this. I think this is one of the scariest things he said. Matthew 12, 36 says this, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. You want to take that deal? You want to be justified before a holy God based on your own words? Or you could have those words wiped away by Jesus and have that record replaced with his perfect righteousness. This seems clear. Okay? This seems clear. There would be no reason for anyone to leave this room or leave this live stream not taking that deal. Like, this is the deal of a lifetime, right? This is the best of possible news. And you know what else is great about it, guys? It's simple to receive. All you have to do is admit your sin and ask him to wipe it away. And he'll make you new. And that's the other part of the good news is that not only is Jesus giving you his righteousness, but moving forward, he wants to put his words in your mouth. How would you like that? Power of life and death is in your words. You'll eat its fruit. How about those words being Jesus' words and you eat that fruit? That would be great, right? I mean, who doesn't want Jesus to teach them how to speak life instead of speaking death into all their relationships? And, and we do that first. The first step in that, guys, is you need to believe Jesus' diagnosis about your words. A lot of times we'll say words, we'll say things, and go, oh, I don't know where that came from. You know, it's not me. You know, it just, the mouth, it just does its thing. Jesus' diagnosis was different. He said in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, you know, when somebody angers you, when somebody frustrates you and you say something, it's like this. Oh, where did that come from? Came from your heart. Right. Those words came out of your heart. They didn't come from anywhere else. They don't just like it's from the heart. It's very simple to know where this came from. But you have to go after the root, guys. And so if that if it's about my heart, then you have to go after the root. For example, if you struggle with lying, and lots of people do, okay? If you struggle with lying, and lying's like a reflex, right? It's automatic. So a lot of times you'll lie, and you didn't even know why you lied. Now, right after you lie, you go, why did I do that, right? Well, what's happening is in your heart, there's an internal calculation that happens in milliseconds. And you decide, is it more important right now to honor God or to get whatever the thing is you'd get from the lying? And so it's really important if you struggle with lying. Pause. 
pause and think, is this absolutely true? Learn to pause. Secondly, while you're pausing, ask, what did my heart want? Because not everybody lies for the same reason. Some people lie because of the idol of control. I don't want people telling me what to do. I don't want them controlling me. So I'm going to lie and avoid that control. Some people lie because they want other people's approval. If I lie, you're going to think higher of me, and so I'll lie, right? There's different reasons. We have to go after the root. We have to find out what's in the heart that's causing the lies. Gossip. Why is gossip so tasty to you? That's partly we have this like perverse desire to be in the know and know what everybody else is doing, and that's why we made a whole program for that online. But it's also that we have a pleasure in seeing the faults of other people. And the reason why we have that is that we're innately religious creatures. So if you're here this morning and you, you know, you're like, I'm not a religious creature, I don't believe in religion, whatever, gossip shows you are. Because gossip is about this. Gossip is because we're innately religious creatures, we believe there's kind of a ladder of morality, and we like to figure out where we are on the ladder. And if you believe in God, you believe God's at the top, you know, everybody's down here. And if you can find a sin in somebody else and gossip about it, guess what? They go down one rung, you go up one rung, right? Because we're always comparing ourselves to others. But see, guys, the gospel blows the ladder up, right? The gospel says there's two rungs. Moral perfection, that's where God sits. Moral degenerate, that's where the rest of us sit. Two rungs. You're like, but that one's more degenerate. It doesn't really matter when you compare it to this rung, right? And so and the gospel tells us that in Christ, I'm treated as if I'm on the top rung, even though I'm in the bottom rung. kind of takes away your desire to hear the faults of other people. Because I'm the greatest sinner in the room. If you struggle with wounding others with your words, you have to, or, or you struggle with giving the silent treatment to people, you have to ask yourself, why do you do that? You know, is it a desire in your heart to make them pay for their sin? I think that's a really common one. I need to make them pay. Well, if we believe the gospel, we believe we didn't have to pay for our sins. Why are we going to make this person pay for their sins? And that doesn't mean we don't confront them and all that stuff in this biblical way to do it, but we don't punish people with words or with withholding words. And then once we've seen what's going on in the heart, then we can learn from Jesus how to speak life. Because God has a lot more for us than just not speaking death. You know, the monks and stuff like that in the Middle Ages, their solution was silence. They realized the mouth is dangerous, so you just won't talk. Okay, well, that doesn't go after the heart, right? It doesn't go after the heart. So Jesus teaches us to use this ability to speak life. I mean, if you really believe that your speech could give life to people around you, don't you want to learn how to do that? And so Jesus wants to teach us that. And that's what discipleship is, guys. It's learning from Jesus how to do everything he's commanded by the power of the Spirit. And so he wants to harness. He didn't just say, like, your mouth is bad, your speech is bad, your words are bad. He says, no, no, that's actually a really powerful thing. I'm going to redeem it. And guess what? You're going to go out into a broken world and speak life into it. Isn't that amazing, guys? I mean, we're in a place right now, obviously. You guys are all wearing masks, and thank you for doing it. Well, we're in a time right now when we're thinking a lot about the bad things that could come out of our mouths, right? We probably should have been thinking more proactively about this, about our words, before all this happened, right? Our words are deadly. We're thinking more, real proactively about what bad thing could affect people coming out of our mouths. What Jesus also wants to give us, though, is that you would have, be so inspired that you would go into the world tomorrow and think, how could I speak life into other people? You could actually be an instrument of life in the world. Isn't that exciting? Aren't you glad God gave you the ability to speak? He wants to speak through you. And so let me just give you a few ways Jesus spoke life. Jesus spoke life through his prayers. The best thing you could do with your mouth is you could pray for your neighbor, 
right? You could pray for other people. You could pray for yourself. God, help me to speak life today. Help me at the end of the day when I look at all my interactions that I spoke life in all these people in some way. And so prayer. Jesus spoke life through his worship. Jesus was constantly worshiping his Father, and he was directing other people to find their joy in God's goodness and his beauty. We can do that too. That's something your mouth can do. Isn't that great? You've used your mouth for all kinds of nonsense. You could use your mouth to point people to the goodness of God. This is a good thing. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and thankfulness in your heart. That's actually worship so other people can hear. That's a totally legit kind of worship. You can see it in the Psalms too. Is that we worship for other people to hear. Not to hear how great we are, but to hear how great God is. Jesus used his words to bless. I think we miss this sometimes. Jesus was blessing people, verbally blessing them. Okay, um, We have what's called a benediction that Josh usually does at the end of service. It's a blessing through him, but it's from God to you. Right? It's an authoritative blessing from God. Jesus did that all the time. Kids came to him, he blessed them. He actually spoke a blessing to them. You could do that with your mouth. God responds to that, that you could actually verbally bless your kids. You could put your hand on your kid, and you could bless them. You could have a friend going through a difficulty, you say, I'll pray for you, but let me give you a blessing. And there's a lot of them in Scripture. One of them you could write down, Numbers 6, 24 through 26. This is a real standard one. But you could have this one ready, right, for a friend or whatever. You have lunch with a friend, and then you give them a blessing. You know, hey, can I give you a blessing? Most people are not like, no. <laughs> They're like, yes, I want one. Okay, Numbers 6, 24 says this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. How cool would that be to give to your kids at night before they go to bed? How cool would that be to give to a, a friend that's struggling? Jesus spoke life through truth-telling. We see that a lot. Jesus gave tons of hard words and truth-telling to people. He clarified the truth. That's something you can do tomorrow in your workplace, wherever you are, is clarify truth. That's a gift from God. Jesus spoke life into people through his encouragement. I want you guys to write down this verse, because this is a great verse for you to think about, about encouragement. Jesus wants to teach you, his people, how to give people life through words tomorrow, okay? I really appreciate what David shared, and I resonate deeply with his emotion and everything in that. Guys, let me just have a little heart-to-heart with you guys. Every Christian out there feels like David inside sometime during the week. When you talk to other Christians, you could, A, encourage them. You could, B, give them the latest theory you have on the coronavirus. Which is better? Which is going to give them life? Seriously, guys. Are we done? We should be done. Like, this is game on. This is not a drill, okay? You guys live in a historic time. If we're going to spend this historic time being put out, angry, inconvenienced, and huffy, then we weren't the right people to put in this time. Right? Seriously, guys. You're living through the most disruptive time in 70 years. Do not waste it. Don't waste it. I feel in myself that this could all pass, and I could be like, man, I blew it. Just a bunch of whining, 
a bunch of anger. When I could have, dude, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit out there evangelistically right now. And there's a lot of people in your life, believers, that you could speak life into. We have to do it. Okay, let me give you this. Isaiah 50 verse 4 says this. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught. Is this the coolest verse? Isaiah 50 verse 4. This is your verse from now on. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. How cool is that? That you could know how to sustain with words those who are weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. What's the image here? God is teaching you every day what to say to people to sustain them with words. It's incredible. Okay. Jesus spoke life through gospeling. Okay? Jesus spoke life through giving the gospel. And this is something we have an opportunity to do right now in a massive, massive way. The gospel message, guys, if it burrows into a person's heart by the Spirit, will change their whole spiritual DNA. Will totally take over their entire life. Will totally change them from the inside out. I mean, we have an amazing opportunity to share the gospel with people. Live in historic times. And so that's the biblical vision of speech, guys. Is that it's both life-giving, but it can be deadly. We'll eat its fruit. And that Jesus has not only paid the debt of our verbal sins, but he now wants to speak through us. And I just think we should go out into the world really, really excited about that. That we as his New Testament people, let's pray. Father, we, we ask that you would make us mouthpieces. We just thank you that you're a speaking God, that you've given us this word, your word, and it speaks so true to our experiences and just so true to reality because you are the God of reality. And we just, man, we thank you that you're a speaking God, that you've spoken to our hearts by the Holy Spirit, cause us to come to, to life, to cause us to believe the gospel. I pray for anybody that's listening this morning that, that doesn't know you, that hasn't been forgiven of those sins, that transcript that everybody will make an account for outside of Jesus. I pray that you'd open their heart even today, that they would be like, what was I thinking? That's the most amazing news I've ever heard. And I pray for those of us who have received Christ. Lord, make us excited about what you could do through our mouths. We had no idea it had this power. And we're so thankful that your words through our mouths by your spirit gives life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at covgraceminifee.org. May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.